0: So have you ever like just had shit happen in your life where you were just kinda like, Oh, that was really weird and then you just kinda gaff it off? Or you uh come up with like an explanation for why it happened, you know? I mean I've done this, I do this all the time and I'm it's stuff I still struggle with, these these retreats into kind of dismissing things that happened in my life and use some kind of scientific explanation for it or psychological explanation for it or you know anything to explain away like some of the strange occurrences that have happened in my life and I was really good at it for a long time and I totally was able to just like dismiss a lot of stuff and explain it away and even though it would like come back to me and I would continuously be thinking about some of these things and just it would just be like okay well no that was coincidence that was you know, my eyes playing tricks on me that was, you know, the sound of the wind doing this, or it was, uh, it was just, you know, anything I could grasp on to explain things away, I would do it. And I don't know what happened. It just seems like maybe five years ago, I just, I started running out of explanations for a lot of stuff. I started running out of, not just the, the, reasons to explain things away I started running out of like the desire to explain a lot of things away and I think that's when I hit a point where it was like oh I can either continuously do this thing that I've been doing which isn't really making anything in my life better and it's not enhancing my life in any way and it's not making my experience here you know super awesome or anything. So I decided not to do that. And I started, I decided to start looking for other reasons and other explanations for why things happen. And since then, my life has gotten a little bit easier. I find myself not getting bogged down with the debate going on in my head about things. It's just I accept things for what they are. And I might not know what what reasons lie behind some of the experiences I've been having, but I do just accept them for what they are, and I try not to explain them away, and my life has been a lot better since then. And I can say it took me like 40 years to get to that point, you know? And I feel like when I was younger, I I didn't do that. Like when I was a little kid, I didn't do that. When I was a little kid, it was like, "Oh, this is just these are things that happen in life, and this is just how it is." And there's people like want to sit there and say, "Oh, you don't know any better. You're just <clears throat> being fooled. You know, you're you're being ignorant of what the real world is and all that stuff." And I'm kind of like at the point also where I'm, I don't think that's the case because there's things that go on in the universe that we can't explain. Just like a 100 years ago, we couldn't explain, you know, certain weather patterns. Or we couldn't explain why, you know, things would would happen in nature and get rid right, I mean, we used to think that water was just water. We didn't know that there was organisms floating in water because we didn't have a means of seeing them. And maybe that's just where we're at in the world right now. Maybe we just don't even have the capabilities yet to really fully understand and see every single thing that there is in the universe. And when I think about that, it just, everything becomes more possible. And I'm not trying to dismiss science or anything like that, but science is one of those things that's a very, very, very useful tool. It's helped humanity in many, many ways. But any good scientist, I think, will tell you that Whenever they prove something or if their theory starts to show promise and stuff, they fully expect at some point in time that it will be disproven and a new a new model will take its place. And, uh, yeah, so I think we're getting there. I think it's a slow trip, but one of the things I like to do now is I like to go back in my life and look at things and, and take them for what they are and just... I don't know, just say, hey, that's some crazy shit. Materialism.
1: Politicism.
0: Langism. Socialism. Spiritualism.
1: Fabulism. Fabulism.
0: Nationalism. Elaborate schism.
1: Mysticism.
0: Colloquialism. Anti-establishmentarianism. Communism. Spiritualism. Capitalism. Ism. Globalism, ism.
1: Ism. capitalism, Nazism,
0: ism. colloquialism, ism. Ism. barbarianism, ism. Ism.
1: naturism,
0: ism. ism, langisms. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Langisms Podcast, and I'm Lang, in case you didn't know or were wondering. And this is my podcast where I talk about all kinds of stuff, you know, things that happen in my life, things that are going on with me currently, thoughts that I have, inspirations I have, observations just about things in life. And on this podcast, I have a guest, it's been a while. And the guest is Tracy Huffman. She is my sister. She's also an energy healer and a... Uh, what would you say? She's She helps people clear bad things out of their lives, so to speak. But we'll talk about that on another podcast. On this podcast, what we ended up talking about was some of the strange occurrences that happened to us as children growing up and what we thought about them, what we think might have been causing them, what we think about just, you know, strange things in general, and our viewpoints on that. But before we get started, I'm going to go ahead and give you guys some announcements. One, I'm using a new microphone that I got from Cecil. Thanks, Cecil. It's a really nice Yeti, a blue Yeti microphone. It's USB capable, so... If things sound a little different this podcast, you'll know why. So having said that, I'll go ahead and tell you if you guys have any questions, concerns, or comments about this podcast, you can contact me at langisms at gmail.com. You can also go to my website, langstevens.net, and you can contact me through there. There's a contact page there where you can send me an email. You can also uh, go to the blog and make comments on the blog for the podcast episode. And on the blog, I post all kinds of other things like some writing stuff I've been doing, poetry, recipes, and just really anything I feel like. And that's langisms.blogspot.com. And if you're on Facebook, you can go ahead and subscribe to the page I have there. It's langisms. And uh, I always post stuff that's related to the blog and the podcast and everything on there. So that can keep you up to date that way. So, uh, yeah. Get ready for this podcast. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and get it going. So go ahead and put up your tray tables. Put on your crash helmets and your protective visors. Turn down the lights. Put yourself in a reclined position and get ready to blast off into some strange occurrences that were experienced by me and my sister and my family when I was really little and while we were growing up. So go ahead, sit back, relax and enjoy. Um so this is going to be uh your first time on the podcast and I wanted to go ahead and talk about some of the weird stuff that uh happened to our family like while we were growing up because a lot of it I don't remember because I was really really little and stuff but I know you remember quite a bit and I've heard other stories from other people in the family about it so um I was wondering what was the earliest memory you had of something strange happening in the family and when I mean strange I mean like paranormal or just things out of the ordinary that most people would consider bizarre
1: oh okay um I think the first awareness I had about anything paranormal was um before you were born, when we lived in Santa Ana, and just like, you know, I thought it was a normal thing, um, although it was unsettling, but I would wake up sometimes with somebody stroking my face or um, pulling the covers off of me and always opening my eyes, expecting to see a grown-up there, and nobody was ever there, so that's how it started.
0: And what um, year was this about?
1: Oh, this was before I was in... in uh, oh, I was it was before I was in elementary school so it was the early 60s mid early mid 60s so I must have been like I was born in 64 so I must have been like maybe four okay because it was before I was in school and then you know when stuff like that happens all the time when you're a kid you just assume that it's normal that you know you don't even question it you just assume everybody else is experiencing it but um when and you I, never
0: you never said anything to mom or dad about it?
1: No, because I just I mean, you know, I just thought everybody saw little lights and heard things and knew things and then the things would happen when they would know them. I just mm-hmm. I because that's how I was, I I didn't question anything. I just thought that's how it was. Okay. And then sometimes when I would say things, people would look at me weird and what I didn't know was I was saying things that actually I would have no knowledge of, but they would happen or whatever. Or I'd say something, you know, like uh, I would say, you know, I think this is going to happen and people, you know, kind of pat you on the head and then the thing happens later and then people are just kind of, Oh, that was weird. Well, what a coincidence or whatever. So like that kind of stuff. Yeah. But um, I remember um, when we moved after you were born, um, dad had lost his job with, um, he was working for a company that had some kind of contract with the space program and the space program lost funding. So dad lost his job and so did a lot of other engineers and he couldn't find work. So we ended up going to Oregon and you were still, a, uh, you were still really little, like maybe a toddler because I remember you were in a crib still. So you were still pretty little.
0: Yeah, because I don't remember any of the Oregon stories that I've heard everybody tell, but go on. And at this point, we had a little bit of technical difficulties, so I edited that out, and we'll go right back into it, everybody.
1: Hey, can you hear me?
0: Yeah, Is but now off? I haven't. I have an echo now.
1: Yeah, and I was having it when when I had the earbuds on. Okay. So what should we do? Let's
0: just let's just go ahead and try this and see what works out. Okay. this is the this is the amazing aspects of a podcast is you never know what's gonna happen and the worst thing that happens is we just record this over once we figure
1: it out okay that's fine with me
0: okay so we were talking about oregon and dad losing his job and we moved to salem oregon Yeah,
1: we moved to Oregon because we had relatives that were living there and they had construction type jobs and he could get some kind of work. So it was a really stressful time. It was a dark time. They had lost their house in Santa Ana, had to relocate. You know, they had four kids. And so I just remember it being really stressful time. And then we ended up when we got to Oregon, we had moved into a really old house. Like it was really old. And um, it was a really great house. I mean, the the attic was like an open attic, and there were like three little nooks, and then a main area. So each of us older kids, we each got like a little nook that was ours, and Uh then a play area was in the center, and a big wooden staircase that led up. I mean, it seemed like, I mean, I was little at the time, but it just seemed like it went on for forever. In reality, it was probably a narrow, tiny staircase. Yeah. And then the main floor, you know, consisted of a living area, a dining area, a kitchen, and then there were two bedrooms and one bathroom downstairs. And then there was a really dark, creepy basement. Because of course, all the <laughs> people are dark and creepy and they smell weird and so that's not unusual. And they had a fenced backyard, we had dogs, and mm-hmm. there was a little shed in the back where um, you could keep lawn stuff, you know, gardening tools and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I just remember um, being really aware that something was there, something that, um, I mean, you could almost feel it come up behind you and you always turned around expecting somebody to be there and nobody was there. Mm -hmm. But it didn't feel threatening per se, to me at least. And some of the stuff that I experienced there was, you know, just knocking, you know, tapping sounds. Um, I had a music box that you wound underneath the music box. And then it was like a little wooden dowel that you would pull out. So it would turn the music box on. And when you wanted to shut it off, you would push it, the little wooden dowel back in. But you really had to pull on it to get it to come out. And I was um, taking a nap one day on a weekend. I, I guess I was acting up or something. I got sent to go take a nap. So I went upstairs and I was laying there and had my back to the music box trying to go to sleep. And then the music box came on. And i remember thinking that it was weird because i i hadn't been playing with it and then it just came on and so i kind of looked at it and i pushed the little wooden dowel in and then i rolled back over to go to sleep and a few minutes later it was on again and i rolled over and i just remember being puzzled not really scared but it was kind of like how is it doing that how is that possible because even as a little kid i was wondering how is this freaking possible you know Yeah. yeah And it went on, you know, like I would say probably half a dozen times. And on the final time, I just remember when it went on again, like having that kind of exhilaration feeling like this is a really strange thing. And just turning over and watching that it had been pulled out again and it was playing again. And then I just left it like that and just kind of thought that it was weird and then rolled back over and went to sleep. And then I know that dad had reported, Mm -hmm. um, seeing a young boy in the house that looked from a really long time ago. He said that, um, the boy had kind of longer hair. He just knew that it was a male, um, you know, because the hair was kind of like shoulder length, like they would have worn back in the day. And he had a nightgown on like the, like kids wore and he said that he was kind of, um, like, didn't really have any color, per se, and he didn't seem to notice Dad as he walked through the hallway and then disappeared into your bedroom.
0: Yeah, and I've heard, I've heard this story told by Dad quite a few times, and I think um, that was one of the things, one of the catalysts that kind of ended up kind of freaking him out a little bit, was was this. I know there was other things that kind of pushed him to want to get out of there. But yeah, go on.
1: I, I mean, he said when he saw that, he just went running into your room and you were in there asleep, there was nobody in there, no place for anybody to go. And he, it just kind of really freaked him out. And um, you know, we you had one of those mobiles over your crib, you know, the kind that you wind up and it play, you know, there's little characters dangling from it and it would just kind of spin. And mom had reported, you know, being alone in the house with just you and her and you would be taking a nap and then she could hear you start cooing or like jabbering and then you would fall silent and then the mobile would turn on and would start playing, which isn't really that unusual, except, you know, those when they wind down, if you bump into them, sometimes they'll play a little bit. But this one was playing, playing like somebody had really wound it up. And you would just be looking at stuff that, like you were looking at something and jabbering at it, but nobody else could see what you were looking at. Hmm. So it was that was some of the stuff that happened. But the, the biggest thing that happened that was the catalyst for having us flee in the middle of the night was we were all downstairs in the living room and... In the upstairs, we had one of those hot wheel car sets that um, you would plug it in and it had these rollers that would spin really fast and you would push the the hot wheel in it and it would shoot the hot hot wheel out around this track. And it would just go around and around and around. So we were all down there and we were watching TV and we could hear upstairs on the wooden floor in the attic that the hot wheel set had been turned on. And so we were all just kind of like, how did that happen? We've all been down here. And so dad went up to investigate it and he did it a couple times going up and it would, he would, um, he would turn it off and come back down and then it would do it again. And he would go up and turn it off and come back down. And then it was getting where, how is this happening? So the final time he went up the stairs and I'll never forget this because he went up the stairs and he said that he went over and he just unplugged it out of the wall. And he said out loud, now turn it back on. And he turned around to leave. And then it turned back on when it was unplugged (laughs) on the wall. And he said he turned around and he could see this big black form standing over by the hot wheel set. And I'll never forget the sound of him almost falling down those wooden stairs he was so afraid he came tearing down those wooden stairs like a crazy person and as he got into the living room the fireplace started making this really loud moaning sound kind of like you would expect for it to make if it was like maybe really windy outside Mm -hmm. but it wasn't windy outside And then as the hysterics grew with everybody being upset because, you know, here he's all freaked out because he's seen something supernatural and then mom's getting hysterical, Kim's flipping out, you know, all of us littler people are, you know, getting all stressed out and flipped out too. And all the while this moaning sounds getting louder and louder and louder. And then we finally just got the hell out of there. And we ended up at our aunt and uncle's house, and we never went back to the house.
0: So it's almost like a, the movie Poltergeist, when they take off in the middle of the night kind of thing. Yeah, it's just like kind
1: of, except the house did fold up and get, you know, <laughs> some other alternate universe. But yeah, it kind of was like that. And I remember um, us being there at our aunt and uncle's for a while, but... We never went back. Um, Dad went back with our uncles and moved all of our stuff out. And then we stayed with relatives there for a time and then came back to California. And then he got another job in Colorado, so then we moved to Colorado. And I don't ever remember uh, there being paranormal activity in Colorado, really. Um, I just remember that being kind of a calm time And um, then we moved back to California and uh, moved into a house in Yorba Linda. Yeah. And then that's when activity kind of um, started increasing. Um, At that time, I think based on all of the paranormal stuff that went on in Oregon, I think that left mom and dad with a lot of questions, you know, of how did that happen? Why did that happen? And I remember after we had moved um, to your Belinda, Kim uh, had actually contacted the National Enquirer. Really? When people thought it was a real magazine and they didn't <laughs> realize it was all made up stuff. And uh, dad and mom were okay with their doing that because they never honestly thought that anybody would contact them about you know that whole experience in Oregon. And they actually did. And somebody came out and interviewed Kim. And I remember... Um, coming home the day that it had happened from school. And, and I remember a little bit about it, but the focus wasn't on me. So, I mean, and I was little, so I didn't really think a whole lot. So about did
0: it. they ever do a story on it?
1: They did. Oh there was actually a story that ran. And I remember they were really pissed off about it because it wasn't the story that was told. Okay they had their own the national Enquirer had their own version and i actually tried to find it online but i never could find anything i don't think they archive that stuff online from way back then in the 70s but um i just remember everybody going oh my gosh they can't believe they didn't even say what really happened they made up this whole different story
0: but like kim's name was in the paper and everything
1: i i believe so uh maybe it wasn't but um, maybe because she was a minor, maybe they couldn't use her name. Yeah. Or whatever, but um, I just remember everybody being disgusted, like, "Oh my gosh, they didn't even—it was all a lie, what they told." It and was
0: was this would have been like what the early seventies at this point yeah. then?
1: Yeah, it would have been. Yeah, and so after that, I think you know, mom and dad started getting into um, seances and Ouija boards and mediums and psychics and metaphysical and. Um, they were just really searching, you know, trying to figure all this out, you know, is there something on the other side? Is there not? Is it all a lie? What is it? What are you supposed to do about it? And so they did a lot of stuff and you know about some of the stuff. I mean,
0: yeah, I know, uh, dad talked to me about some, I used to think they were cocktail parties, but it wasn't that at all. They, that he made friends with a guy that was, uh, a hypnotist and was into doing things like astral projection and stuff. And they would get together and do like these kind of metaphysical parties mm-hmm. where people would get put under hypnosis and then astral project to different things and <clears throat> one of the things I remember Dad talking about was he did it, and he went out in the street when he was astral projection projecting and read off everybody's license plate number that was on the street and and what kind of car it was, and it all was exact to what kind of car. And the license plates numbers all matched up after they ran them down and went out and looked.
1: Yeah, and they were all in order.
0: Yeah, they were all in order as well. And then I do remember them doing things. It reminded me of like uh, magicians where they would get the two chairs and put a person and supposedly levitate them off the chair. But those were specifically designed chairs with a board that would allow them to do that because of counterbalance. But these were our living room chairs and there was no board. And I remember them doing this with people where they would make them basically like levitate off a chair. Yeah. You know, and when I was little, I used to just, you know, there was just so many people and stuff and I was so little and I didn't understand what was going on. I just always thought they were like kind of cocktail parties, like people had during the seventies, you know, and stuff like that. But uh, listening to dad kind of, tell me what was actually going on. You know, I started remembering some of these things and it was like, Oh yeah. So this was like something that our parents were really into. And dad was actually said he he trained with the guy that was the hypnotist to actually hypnotize people Yeah. and stuff. And he knows how to do that.
1: Yeah. I remember wow. him saying that too. And I also remember him taking us to a church. I think it was the church of religious science or something like that. And I remember going and, um, just i think they were just trying to figure out what abilities the kids had or maybe mom and dad had started noticing that i had demonstrated some psychic abilities and i remember them trying to get me to bend a spoon with my mind and i remember just as a kid going why why would you why <laughs> and obviously i didn't do it but i remember that kind of stuff and i remember um, putting me in like this little um, pyramid on their bed so that I would sit in it to do my homework I, I,
0: I remember that yeah
1: a lot of that kind of stuff I remember um, I don't I wasn't ever present for any of the seances or anything you know because I don't know if you remember but I was always invited over to people's house to spend the night and stuff so um, I think I was I wasn't even present in the house for a lot of that stuff and in hindsight I'm grateful for that because I think you know things were strange enough with activity because as i got older in the house in your belinda more and more i would wake up and my bedding would be across the room like somebody had just pulled it off and just tossed it over in the corner of my bedroom and i would wake up to people stroking my face or playing with my hair or being holding me by the ankle and slowly pulling me out of bed and being in that dream state of being half awake and half asleep and thinking why am I being pulled by my leg out of bed and then jolting awake going, Oh my gosh, I'm being pulled out of bed by my leg and -hmm. being halfway out of the bed and being able to actually feel where somebody had grabbed my leg and sitting up and just starting to shake. Like, what was that? What just happened? And so more of that kind of stuff started happening. Um, me being aware that I wasn't alone in the house. And I know you had those experiences too.
0: A little bit. I I know that I always felt like somebody was watching me in that house. Mm -hmm. I always felt like there was somebody in the hallway watching me to the point where I would want to try to protect myself with my, my barricade of stuffed animals, you know, like somehow they would take the brunt of whatever was going to happen. I don't know. I don't think I've ever heard like our our brother talk about anything or or if our sister talked about anything. Um, Have they said anything to you about any experiences? Um,
1: I know that um, both of them have mentioned, like Rob never really mentioned any kind of experiences. Although I remember as a kid, you know, when shower time would happen, we would be, I mean, we never got along. But we would kind of be lookouts for each other, like kind of hover around outside of the bathroom when the one person was taking a shower. Because that's how weird and creepy it was. That you didn't want to be alone, especially at night. You wanted somebody to have your back. And I also remember like um, you, I would wake up in the night and you'd be standing by my bed asking to get in bed with me because you were scared and, or I would just wake up and you would be in bed with me Mm -hmm. because you were so scared and probably, I used to sleep like a dead person. So, you know, you probably couldn't even wake me up and just climbed in. Yeah, and, and at times, you know, when something weird would happen where my leg would get pulled or my arm or somebody was touching my face or, you know, weird stuff like that, I would actually go and get in bed with you sometimes just because I didn't want to be alone. Because when something like that happens, that's like a really distressing, creepy thing.
0: Yeah, especially when you're a little kid and and you don't really have the... The safety structure that you would need (laughs) for for those guys because our parents weren't really they kind of hit a point where they just stopped dealing with all that stuff I feel like and then it was kind of like you know don't talk about it don't don't mention things like that all that stuff's fake and none of it's real you know stuff like that
1: yeah yeah there was some of that because I think they got to a point where the things they were dabbling in actually started freaking them out And they started seeing some negative manifestations of the things that they had been doing. Mm -hmm. And I think that the seances, I know Kim was present during one of the seances, and um, she said that she had never been more terrified in her whole life, that she was not ready for the stuff that she witnessed and you remember our dining room table was heavy it was one of those medieval
0: yeah most furniture back then was pretty thick and sturdy yeah you know.
1: it was a heavy heavy table and she said during the seance that our our own family's table it wasn't like they went somewhere where mm-hmm. they could have attached wires or something because it this was at our house and she said that it levitated And she had never been more scared in her whole life.
0: Was that probably the last time you think that they ever did anything like that?
1: Perhaps. I mean, I know they were still into astrology and numerology and all that kind of stuff. Um, But I think that was probably a point where they went, we should not be doing this.
0: And and was our extended family involved in this at all?
1: Yeah, they were. And as a matter of fact, um, not to the same degree, I don't think. But like our aunt, our one aunt, Janet, and you remembered this. And I had no idea that you even remembered this incident happening because you were so little. I want to say you were like four or five maybe. And there's a six-year difference between us. So that would have made me, you know, what, like, you know, uh, 11 or 12.
0: Like preteen. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I remember she was visiting us and um, I had just woken up because I had had a dream and I had dreamt that I had seen our aunt sitting at a table like at a seance and it was like she was conjuring something. So she had her eyes closed, like kind of like a swami in a trance and was moving her hands around in front of her and doing this moaning sound. And um, I had come out and you guys were out in the living room and it was Christmas time so our Christmas tree was up and decorated and it was probably, what would you say, like five or six feet away from where we it were? Was,
0: it was pretty far. It wasn't like we were up close. It was like because we were sitting in almost the middle of the living room. Yeah. You know, and the tree was kind of in the corner by the backyard window.
1: Yeah. So, so at, kind of at, least,
0: at least six feet, if not even further.
1: Yeah, know? yeah. So I came out and... Um, I said, it was really weird. I just had this weird dream about Aunt Janet. And they were like, kind of like patronizing me and go, oh, what was it about? And I explained what I saw. And while I was, and they go, well, what, what exactly was she doing? And I started mimicking what I had seen in my dream and making the same sound. Mm-hmm. And while I was doing that, one of the Christmas bulbs came right out of the center of the tree, shot out with the little hook still on it came flying over landed right by my foot like almost it yeah. didn't roll or anything it shot out and landed right next to my foot and just sat there
0: yeah I, re- I do remember that and i remember all of a sudden it just got like deathly quiet and still and we were all just kind of like in shock yeah staring down at the ball on the on the on the floor like wait a minute that that shot out like it didn't just because a lot of people are probably thinking you know oh it probably fell and bounced off a branch or something like that it It did not it like it was like it was shot out like like uh like a nerf gun or something you know it it didn't like fall and then bounce it just came like straight out
1: and it didn't roll or anything no it it didn't it
0: just kind of stopped popped right down yeah
1: it was weird And then I just remember I'm kind of like a nervous laughter and kind of like, oh, well, whatever, and just kind of trying to act like it didn't happen. But what I didn't know at the time and I learned later when I was an adult was that my aunt had just been at a seance Mm -hmm. where they had conjured something. So, without any information, I was aware of that. I had dreamt it, came out and talked about it and then that incident happened
0: yeah and i, I know they they went other to other people's houses for yeah. for events and activities and stuff as well and I feel like I remember seeing tarot cards over at uh at uh our our grandma and aunt's house in in uh Santa Ana.
1: Oh, Beverly.
0: Beverly and Pete. And I, I, I could have sworn, I remember being little and I remember seeing these playing cards and I was like, oh, these are really weird. I mean, why aren't these like normal cards? And they're like, oh, it's a special game Yeah. kind of thing. And I remember seeing that and I was like, oh, how weird, you know. And then I didn't real, I didn't put that together until I was much older that, oh, those was, those were what tarot cards were when I saw tarot cards again. And I was like, oh, I remember seeing these. You know, and they didn't tell me what they were. So they were obviously messing around with that or trying to learn it. Yeah. And while tarot is not necessarily something that can, like, bring about, you know, negative things or anything, it's still kind of going in that that direction of, like, experimentation with esoterics and metaphysics and stuff like that.
1: Right. And it matters who you're getting your teaching from, too, because not everybody is a positive influence, so yeah. they could have come in contact with somebody that was maybe a little bit dark or something like that. But I know at that time, like, activity just, like, really started kicking up, like, weird stuff happening.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, also, it's weird we're talking about the negativity thing. I, I sometimes wonder if it was because of the negativity surrounding the family that a lot of this stuff started to, to happen. And then it just kind of amplified the more the path was traveled down. You know
1: right. and, and what I've learned, you know, as an adult, because you know I've had my own brushes with really dark stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, you know, it's been suggested in my own situation that a lot of what I was experiencing had to do with that period of time when our parents were dabbling. And it's also been suggested that this is even like an ancestral thing. Like it goes back, like, you know, a lot of our ancestry comes from Ireland. And, you know, a long, long time ago, the cult was practiced heavily. And, you know, it's possible they could have opened something that's kind of plagued, you know, our family line. It's hard to really say where it comes from. But I know if you don't raise your vibration, like the dark stuff lingers around and kind of you know, hangs on to you.
0: Like like feeds off like, so right. to speak. And,
1: and as we know, both of our parents were real fearful people for different reasons in their own, you know, history and their childhood and their upbringings and stuff. So, it was just like the perfect storm, I think. You're dabbling in stuff that you don't totally understand. You're fearful anyways. You got your own wounds from the past. You know, ancestral stuff. It's all just like a perfect storm, I think.
0: Yeah. Um... So there was a point, though, like, I, I, it's really strange. I, like, our mother went off down the religious path to kind of try to get away from all that stuff. And then, like, I feel like our dad just kind of just was like, okay, I'm I'm done. I'm going to try to not think about it anymore. And it was like two different ways of dealing with the one issue of what was going on.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, for him, because as an adult, you know, I never really thought much about that they had done seances and all that kind of stuff, or even Mm -hmm. that either one of our parents had any kind of supernatural abilities, Uh, you know, I just never really thought about it. But then as an adult, when I was talking about some, because my abilities got stronger and stronger and stronger, and then as an adult, I really started experiencing even stronger supernatural tendencies. And I finally started talking to dad about it. And um, he basically started saying, yeah, he can do a lot of the same kind of stuff, mediumship stuff. And and I was like, oh, my gosh, why didn't you ever talk about it? And he said, well, I learned really quick back when we were dabbling in this stuff back in the 70s that you just can't talk about it to anybody. And you got to shut your mouth because when you talk about it, people look at you funny. He goes, so I just stopped talking about it. So I think that's where that came from, where he just shut it all off and just ignored it. Because it is true. If you start talking to people about this kind of stuff, they look at you sideways.
0: Yeah. So it was more for him. It was about fitting in and not being different. Because he was already kind of different with, it, with the, the polio he went through when he was right. little and stuff. So, And I know that's kind of important to him is to be able to be like one of the guys and one of just, you know, your, everybody else kind of thing. Yeah. but then like our mom she just like went down a totally kind of diametrically opposed path but <laughs>
1: you well, know I think she started seeing the negative manifestations of what they had been dabbling in and how sometimes it was impacting us too yeah and um so i think in an effort to like try and fix it i think you know she started pursuing religion and that's how we got you know submerged into you know, going to church and religion. And, you know, we ended up at the Assembly
0: of God church. Which- yeah, because that happened like overnight. Yes. It was just like all of a sudden, oh, we're going to church Sunday. And this is where we're going. And this is what's going to be a normal thing now. Yeah. And I just remember being like, wow, that's really... Okay, but why? You know, (laughs) you
1: went from doing numerology charts and astrology and seances and trying to bend spoons with your mind. That's all of the devil. We need God and Jesus. (laughs) This is happening tomorrow. Guess what?
0: Yeah. So that was kind of confusing, (laughs) being young and stuff. And then it was like. Then we were just – at that point, it was just kind of like, well, you got to be afraid of all that stuff, and you should never pursue it or anything like that. And I think that's what kept me from really going down any kind of metaphysical or esoteric path was because I was – I had it, like, from going to church and stuff, it was kind of, like, put into my mind that, oh, you, this is, you should feel very uncomfortable doing this because it's bad, it's evil – And nothing good will come of it. So even when I was attracted to certain things, I would always tell myself, no, don't do that. You shouldn't be doing that, you know, and I would make up different excuses in my head why. And then as I got older, it just became like, well, you don't believe in that stuff. It's not real. Even though I was, even though I was having things, experiences and stuff that were telling me otherwise, I would just ignore them. Yeah. You know, until just recently when I just couldn't ignore them anymore. Yeah. You know. And that's
1: really why I stopped talking about the stuff because it was it had become a bad thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that is like you don't you know when you're told that things are like, quote unquote, evil and dangerous, it, it's scary to think about that stuff. Yeah. You know, and as we've both learned, like fear is really not what you should be listening to anyway. Uh-uh. And when you make decisions based in fear, it just makes more fear because like we were talking about earlier, like attract, like like, Mm -hmm. attracts like, and that's just keeps it going, you know? So, um, we've, we've had a pretty interesting path and everything, you know?
1: (laughs) Well, and it's funny that that stuff is what brought us to the searching that we've been doing the past couple years. Yeah. You know, with, um, you know, trying to shake off that religion part of, you know, a greater being. Yeah. You know, and trying to figure out what that is. And, you know, I I never would have in a million years would have guessed that, you know, from where we started to where we are now that it would have evolved. All those things, all those weird painful things brought us to this point.
0: Yeah, but it, I also think it's something that should have it had to happen that way. Otherwise the story that we've both lived and stuff wouldn't be the same story.
1: No, it wouldn't. And I am actually, I can look back now and, and be really grateful for that. And all that painful stuff was for a reason.
0: Yeah, it was for a reason. Cause through that, we, you learn and grow, you know, yeah. and, and you can go back and, you know, we both had to go back and deal with those things and try to learn from them and grow and move through it. So that was always good. You know, right. Yeah. Well, we're getting ready to run out of time on the clock. Okay. Um, Since this is a new platform for me, um, I would like to do some more podcasts if you're willing to talk about some more stuff, you know? Maybe uh, we could talk about waking the fuck up or... Yeah, let's talk
1: about that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Or we could talk some more about some of the other things that you experienced, which has led you down the path that you're on now.
1: Yeah, sure.
0: Okay. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast and
1: oh, thanks for
0: having me. I'll, I'll totally uh, text you later and we'll maybe we'll talk some more. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> All right. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. All right, everybody. That was the podcast and I hope you enjoyed it. It was really kind of interesting talking with my sister about some of the things that we have. I don't think we've ever shared the stories like this on such a wide to a wide audience of people like, like the, on the podcast here. So um, yeah, there were really strange things that happened and um, it's just kind of part of like our, our experience here, you know, with our family and stuff. So, and uh, having said that, I will have Tracy back on another podcast and we will talk about some more interesting happenings and maybe a little bit more about what it's like going through life in a haze and then waking up out of it, you know? But I'm going to go ahead now and go ahead and do the announcements again and tell you guys if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, you can totally contact me at langisms at gmail.com. I would love to hear from people about the podcast. I would love to hear if anybody wants to be on the podcast. Since I am now using a different format than Skype to do these recordings, it's a lot easier, so... Just so you know, if anybody out there feels like they want have something they want to talk about on this podcast, I would love to hear from you. And that's langisms at gmail.com. Or you can contact me on the blog, langisms.blogspot.com. You can even make comments on the posts on the blog. You can also uh, follow me on Facebook at langisms. And uh, like that page, follow it. And if you guys are enjoying this podcast, go ahead and start sharing it, man. Let like, like, Give your give your uh, friends a little bit of a golden nugget to chew on, you know, with some of these po- episodes. I know uh, not every episode is for everybody, but I think there's always something people can find that they might find interesting or it might make them question some things in their life and make them want to try to do something different with it, you know. And as always, you can go and uh, go to Langism's. Or uh, langstevens.net. Sorry about that. langstevens.net. That's my website. Now, I still haven't gotten any of the artwork up. I am super busy. I am moving in like two weeks. It's like crazy. I'm moving in two weeks to the Virgin Islands. So, uh, as you can imagine, my life has been in kind of chaos and turmoil lately. And, um,. Yeah, once the move is over, hopefully it'll it'll chill out a little bit and I can really focus on some of the podcasts a little more and do some live from paradise podcasts. Uh, what else should I have to say? Oh, I'm on Patreon now and I don't have any patrons yet and I'm not asking you guys to give me money. You don't have to. Um, but if you want to become a patron and you want to donate to the podcast, you can do that. And what I was thinking of doing is when I record these, conversations with other people, I'm doing it on a format where I can actually record the video and stuff, and then I could probably put that on there as like a little bonus footage for people to see, you know, and I know you probably noticed that this podcast was commercial free, I'm sorry about that, but uh, there was really no room to fit it in because it was just a a conversation, so uh, I think the commercials will probably be reserved for my solo episodes where it's just me. Because it's hard for me to sit there and talk for an hour long about just one thing without taking a break. (laughs) So yeah, that was a podcast and I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you come back again. And just remember to hit like on everything and share on everything. I'm on iTunes, I'm on SoundCloud, I'm on Google Play. If there's another platform you want me to be on, give me a shout, I'll do that. If you have any artwork or poetry or music or anything you would like me to share on the podcast, I would love to do that. And if you want to send me an audio clip of your favoritism, I will edit it, edit it into the, uh, the theme music for the podcast, too. And, uh, yeah, I think that's going to do it. And, uh, as always, everybody, if there's one thing you can do in your life that might make things change for you and make things get a little bit better... I would say learn to love yourself because that is the best place to start. Alright, I'm out of here. Peace! Materialism.
1: Politicism.
0: Langism. Socialism. Fabulism. Fabulism. Nationalism. Elaborate schism. Mysticism. Colloquialism. Colloquialism. Anti-stabilitarianism.
1: Communism. Spiritualism,
0: Capitalism, atheism, Globalism, Capitalism, Masochism, Colloquialism, Barbarianism,
1: Naturism,
0: Ism. Ism. Lang